And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. listening to Why Always Us, a Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney. Sam Lee is with me. Hi, Sam. Yeah, hello. How are you doing? Good weekend? Yeah, uh, yeah well, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, let's move on from that. But no, I'm fine. I'm, I'm good, thanks, mate. Weekend has been nice. Inside the four walls of yes. family and watching football on TV. That's which, been fine. Everything which, else. Which is how it's going to stay for a while, imagine. I suspect. <laughs> uh, yeah, for a, month at, for a month at least. Anyway, maybe yeah. a few more. Yeah. Well, you can sign up to The Athletic right now for just £1 per week. So just go to theathletic.com forward slash Pod to take advantage of the offer where you can read everything on City, including Sam's recent pieces. What what have you got coming up, Sam? Oh, what have I got coming up? I might have mentioned this before, but um, for the end of this week, we should have a, a big article on what it's like to play for Pep Guardiola. So hopefully, and this is my challenge this week, um, a load of details about things he's done and how he interacts with players and uh, the the details he goes into. It's it's a difficult piece. It's a challenging piece to write because I think when I say that and what we're going to cover, everyone's like, well, we've got a good idea already because so many people have talked about it. And yes, exactly. So it's going to be really difficult for me to find new stuff. But um, that's the challenge and hopefully I'll be able to. There's some stuff I've got in the bank already, which will be new and interesting. Um, so yeah, definitely keep an eye out for that. And I've definitely mentioned this before, but a big article on the CFG, the whole the whole elephant, you know, what it is, what it does, why does it do it? Um, you know, how does it sign players? Why does it sign players? Um, why, how does it buy the different clubs? What happens when the clubs are are taken over that that kind of stuff how do they interact um and that's for the end of this month um so there's i mean there's there's two big articles this month alone um and bear in mind i've got to do three per week and we're right at the start so yeah loads loads to come loads to come uh, sign up right now for just one pound a week by going to theathletic.com forward slash man city pod and you can have access to all of that and more as well so first up for this week's show, Sam, um, he's been getting some criticism from fans recently, but uh, Riyad Mahrez, his start to the season has been um, uh, interesting, let's say. Yeah, um, I suppose what... Hmm, I think what I'll probably say is he's been Mahrez without the good stuff because he can be frustrating even when he plays really well. Um, and last season, you know, I've not always been fully convinced by Mahrez at City, but... Even so, that you know that was the case last season for me personally. But I would still say it was probably one of City's top three most consistent performers last season, or you know, consistently good anyway. Um, I mean, De Bruyne. I'm sure that there was Aguero in there last time I checked, um, and Mares. I think um, you know Sterling might be a bit unlucky to miss out. But anyway, Mares had a good season last season. Um, but obviously, in those games when City didn't do so well, you know, part of the thing Mares would do would you know, cut inside and try and dribble past somebody and get tackled or he'd hold on to the ball for, for too long and um, 
people people in the crowd would get annoyed and and this season he's kind of doing all of that stuff but without you know cutting inside and banging it into the bottom corner or you know setting up a chance for somebody else so yeah he's had a uh, a difficult start to the season and i suppose we better get on to the interesting bit which is his teammates have kind of noticed well i was going to say it's not just been the fans criticizing him recently has it i mean it's like the the you can get the front the fan frustration when they see a player you know pick up the ball dance through it or, or try and dance into the middle and you know can't find room for the shot as, as has happened in the last couple of weeks or can't find the bottom corner can't find a cross hit you know you know it can't just can't influence the attacking style of play sometimes and that was i mean in Mahrez's first season, that was that was a big criticism from from fans that he did that his face didn't really fit into how City were trying to play. Last season that changed a bit. This season we've kind of regressed a little bit. Um, what's been the reaction from from his teammates? Yeah, so um, after the West Ham game, which was obviously last weekend, the one-all draw, um, De Bruyne had a, had a bit of a go at him in the dressing room afterwards just saying look you've you've, you've got a pass um and there was the two incidents incidents um there, there was the two kind of <laughs> they're um, not incidents are they yeah, no, no exactly yeah. no um but there was the, the the two occasions i suppose when he when he dribbled the ball towards the end and they were right at the end of the game actually i thought that one of them was a bit earlier at least but it was the one when he was on the right hand side and he dribbled and he was so close to the byline and he tried to get even closer to the byline still and just run it off the back with like 90 seconds left. And then with five seconds left of added time, obviously he was over on the left and he got a shot off at a narrow angle. I think Fabianski knocked it and it hit the post and it went out for a corner. But he had Foden, Rodri, and I think De Bruyne behind him. And now, in fairness, on both of these, um, if Maris had have gone back to De Bruyne for the first one, Declan Rice was definitely going to nip in and either close him down or cut out the pass. And on the second one, there was a lot of West Ham players kind of stopping that cutback. But um, I think it's it's well, it is it is a case of like that frustration, you know, bubbling over because this isn't the first time he's done it. And over recent weeks, Aguero and Fernandinho, as senior players, as far as I know, have have gone to Mares and said, "Look, you know." When you've got to pass on, you've got you've got to make that pass. They they kind of made that point to him in the last few weeks, and then I don't think they felt that it actually changed. And then De Bruyne probably in a bit more heat at the moment, kind of thing. De Bruyne yeah. brought that up again after the West Ham game when Mares didn't really change. Um, so yeah, they they kind of feel that their their kind of interventions haven't had much of a. a an impact on him and he still kind of does the same stuff and you know th- I was told this before the Sheffield United game so against Sheffield United I'm sure it was the, there was the big one wasn't it where is, but yeah we just run off the back of the pitch yeah I, but I, I'm not wasn't the one I was thinking of there was one <laughs> where uh he got the ball on the on the right hand side as he would do he, he kind of worked his way into the box he, he you know he stepped around two or three challenges and it was almost like he'd he decided that he needed to get through all of the challenges before he got shot away and just got crowded out in the end, and because I, I, this is where I was going to say I have sympathy for him because there's there's so many occasions where fans, I mean, fans used to do this with David Silver sometimes, where they say, look, look, just shoot, just just get a shot in, and it's not always as simple as that. You can't like if you, if you've got two or three players blocking your route and you swing the swing your foot the ball, the, the chances are your shot is about to be blocked. So. I can kind of get sometimes when he's in those positions that the value of of, of trying to get 
that extra kind of half yard of space to get an angle to get the shot in. Yeah, they well, all do that, don't they? Like yeah, Sterling does that. It's it's the frustration again, like you say, uh, with the West Ham one, and I, I don't I don't actually remember the one against Sheffield United where he dribbled it off the back. But oh, um, but that was the one I think. So what I was going to kind of say was none of the you know so Sterling had a really good first half, but in the second half, if same for Torres, in fact. Um, Nothing really happened in the second half, but you wouldn't come away saying Sterling or Torres had bad games. And Mares probably would have been the same. But as the game went on, like the last 10, 15 minutes, well, his last 10, 15 minutes, because he got taken off for five minutes to go, there was definitely that kind of, right, you're taking the piss here. Like, this is this is just prime Mares and not in a good sense. So, yeah, there was, I think, I think the one where even Guardiola went right coming off was just before he did come off when he, he just literally ran off the, in a straight line off the back of the pitch. Um, but the interesting thing is, and look, I didn't want to read too much into this because of um, you know what I know about you know De Bruyne is having a, having a word with him at West Ham. But there there were a couple of notable occasions, and people noticed this in the Athletics Q and A as well. Um, when Mares either took a shot on in the first half, or I can't remember which one it was in the second half, but he, he did what he did, and De Bruyne like threw his arms up in the air, and he was oh for God's sake. Um, but I mean, there's not like. A massive rift between them because um, well, De Bruyne, De, Bruyne, De Bruyne let him take a free kick in the second half. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I've noted that in the article. Um, and the other thing is, you know, since De Bruyne came through at Genk you know, when he was a, when he was a kid, one of his real bugbears is people not you know playing for themselves rather than the team, whether they are or not. If he feels somebody's playing for themselves rather than the team, he will tell them. And he was doing that like twelve years ago. So. I mean, he was a kid. So it's, no, it's nothing new, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's nothing new. He just, yeah, he just feels if, yeah, if if you're being greedy, in effect, if you're being selfish, because you know what he's like, he, he, he would rather make the pass, I think, than actually score a goal. He said that a lot. I know a lot of players with a lot of assists do say that. I'm thinking Fabregas and Ozil, players like that. Um, but, you know, De Bruyne will always try and make that pass. And again, in fairness, there was probably a couple of times yesterday where if De Bruyne's passing had been better, he'd probably have played Mares in. But I mean, that it was a one-off for De Bruyne yesterday, and the general trend with Mares this season, in particular, has been to to hold on to it um, for too long. Um, and the other thing is, it's interesting Guardiola. you say. I mean, it's interesting you say hold on for too long because I think that's that's one of the criticisms I hear a lot from fans is that he slows down the attacks too much. And when you think of of, of the classic City that under Guardiola, it's very much stretch the pitch and, and, and get players. It's kind of like create these false breakaways in the sense of, yes. of of draw the team on and then suddenly somehow despite having all the possession you found yourself three on two or three on three and and, and you're racing through and you always feel or, 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 or you get the sense that a lot of fans always feel that that when it goes to Mares he cuts back and lets the defense get back behind the ball mm. yeah well again I mean sometimes well, sometimes sterling's guilty of that as well not so much but to be fair, no. In terms of Sterling and the attacks, it's more kind of he'll get in the box, but then he might try and you know shuffle it onto his right, and then you know wait for a defender to slide out of the way, and then do it again. But um, yeah, and that was kind of the issue on Saturday in terms of you know City. How often do they play against deep defenses? And they'd kill for those little mini breaks. You know, the like basically the transition, win the ball on the halfway line, the halfway up the pitch, and then all of a sudden, if you know, if you can get De Bruyne on it, he can play it through to the striker or the winger. And they score. So he had loads of those opportunities yesterday, but didn't actually turn them into chances, which was a frustrating thing on a kind of general theme. But yeah, with Mares, it, it is that kind of it's like just won't ever go down the outside, really. Um, on it, if if he's going to take it himself. But um, 
the yeah, the thing with Mara is there's, there's there is plenty of other good stuff. I mean, in the course of looking at this article, he's not started the season well, um, and we'll probably get onto Guardiola in a minute because Guardiola obviously doesn't. I don't think Guardiola sees this as a problem. And like I was look, I was using my like amateur body language expertise. <laughs> so it was when so that in the first half when Mara's got uh, across from the left. I think it was Cancelo and he chested it down and he half volleyed it and it went over the bar and that was when De Bruyne threw his arms up. They showed Pep and Pep just looked like, oh, that's annoying. That was a good chance. But he didn't look like that fucking Mares again. You know what I mean? He didn't look like that. Yeah. Um, and as far as I know, you know, well, he's obviously, I don't really need to dig around too much to know that Guardiola keeps putting him in the team anyway. So he hasn't got too many issues with him, um, which is interesting because Mares, whenever you're at a game now, you can just hear the analysts and the coaches always shouting for him to track back or press. And it's just like, uh, like I don't know. It just feels like I don't. I'm sure this isn't entirely accurate because I think it's all about attitude on the training ground as well. But it it just feels very bit, similar to Tane. A bit, a bit of cognitive dissonance, maybe. I don't know. Keeps yeah. getting in the team, but keeps keeps having things to improve. Yeah, perhaps. But I mean, at the same time, like when he's at his best. So when I said like he doesn't ever go outside, sometimes you know when he's in that kind of he's he's shaped to cut inside. But if somebody goes on the on the overlap outside him, whether it's Walker or sometimes Bernardo, if they're in the same team out there, or um, De Bruyne, it, you know, if he just shifts it, he just knocks it like five yards to his right towards the touchline with his left foot, and that gets somebody in behind. That's really effective. And obviously, City's, you know, their whole game plan at times is switch the ball over to Mares, get him in a one-on-one, because the way he takes the ball down first time, like basically every time, that first touch he's got on the outside of his left foot to knock it into his path and get running, is scary and that you know when when he's in that kind of one-on-one situation when he's got ground to run into incredibly dangerous i think was it against burnley just after the the restart in june when he did that controlled it with the outside of his left got it his man shifted it inside found the bottom corner that's the classic mara's goal i think yeah i mean there was one there was certainly one at sheffield united where um i, I remember thinking well that's it, it must have been deflected up into the air in a in a in a weird way or spin on the ball or something and i remember and as it was dropping down i remember thinking he'll kill this dead and he had yeah. no room he was out on the touchline and it touched his left foot and bang ready to go at his feet and it's like you say, it's scary the, the way you can take that touch down. Um, how I mean, you mentioned Walker there. How how is he working with Walker? Do you think? Because uh, there's a couple of times where Walker, I think, in, in the last few weeks, has got round the outside of Mares. Yeah, um, I, mean, I was kind of I was kind of looking at you know his relationships with the other player in terms of on the pitch relationships and how often they they pass to each other and that kind of stuff. But um, I don't know. I think the I think it's been alright with Walker because um, Walker obviously doesn't get forward very often. He kind of picks his moments. I think he actually ran one out of play yesterday. I don't think they flagged for it, but if if they had scored from it, it wouldn't have counted. Um, but you know, I think Walker he picks his moments to get forward, um, and I think generally, I don't remember seeing too many. I, I think in maybe one or two, but over the last few months, I don't remember seeing Walker charge down the outside and then just you know have to stop and slow down because Mara's has come inside. I think Mara's generally finds him quite well, I think. So, you know, some some people listening to this might say, Oh, I'm not sure about that. But that's 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 the impression I've got. I don't remember that being a an issue. Um yeah, it's just it's just a bit of an odd one really because like you said, this season he's not started particularly well. And the thing we should probably note is you know, a lot of players are still looking for sharpness. Um and you know that that might click very soon and then he goes back to the well, basically, since the start of last season, he's only De Bruyne has created more chances from open play 
than Mares has. And obviously De Bruyne plays much more than Mares. And in the Premier League as a whole, since the start of last season, Mares is seventh for creating chances from open play. And he's played the fewest moments of anybody in the top 10. I think it's actually the top 13 as well, if you wanted yeah. to go a bit further. So Stretch he doesn't play that often. Yeah, but he doesn't play that as, as often as the rest, I suppose. Because obviously, normally last season, you could never really tell if it was going to be him or Bernardo. But then whenever he does play, he is obviously creating those chances. And obviously, you don't create the chances just by being greedy and holding on to it for too much. But I think it's probably that paradox that we got with City last year, where they scored 100-odd goals in the Premier League and you know kept the most clean sheets. But if they'd have that been a bit more clinical or a bit more savvy and you know spread those things out again, they'd have been even better. And I think that's probably the case with Mahrez. Um, you know, if he... Because I don't think anybody disputes that he does hold on to it too long and he is a bit greedy sometimes. If he did just change that, then he'd be that bit better. But at the end of the day, he's 29 years old. And there's, you know, I think we mentioned, might have mentioned this with Sterling last week. If if Sterling doesn't ever fix that one-on-one problem, then, you know, that's that's why Messi and Ronaldo are, have been top level for more than And where they years. are, yeah. Because you can't expect everybody to just iron out every flaw in their game and become... Ballon d'Or winners year after year after year. That's you know that's a freak. So Mares has had a really really good Premier League career. One of the top African players in the Premier League. Um, obviously, won how many titles has he won with City? One. Um, one with City, one with Leicester. One with Leicester. So obviously, two different clubs. Um, but it's one of those where it's like, well, he's just a bit greedy as a player. And like, if if he was if he was a bit less greedy, then it'd be a bit better. But if I, I, you could you could say it about anyone, you know, you could I, if. I don't know. If, I was going to say if Aguero took more of his chances, he'd score even more goals. You can say that about any striker. But you know what I mean? Like Some yeah. players have just got flaws in their game and that's it. And also the other thing with forward players is you know, with Mares and with Sterling in particular, just thinking from a City point of view and Jesus, it's right you know, when you're watching in the stadium or unfortunately on TV at the moment and you're thinking, go on then. You know, and the, the expectations are there. You're waiting for the goal and then they just do something stupid because they've either missed a one-on-one or... Yeah, basically it's missing the one-on-one or what Mares does when he kind of doesn't play somebody else in. And that's when you're most frustrated because you think that could have been the goal. And obviously City's issues last season was if they didn't score that goal, they would concede quite softly. So that was, you know, then those issues then when it's in the, the final third, they get picked up on more. Um, but I suppose, you know, the other good thing we can mention about the game, which we'll come on to, is at least, you know, the defence does look a bit more solid now anyway. So there yeah. is that. But yeah, the, with Mares. Well, um, things uh, to improve on. Well, here's, I mean, here's a brutal question, I guess, to finish with on uh, on Mares, um, because City were, I, I think, as a team on a ho- on the whole, below par last season. Um, Mares looked one of the better players, as you said last season. Um, the br- the brutal question is, does he or will he ever fit in at City in that case? Because if if one of the reasons could be that he looked so good last season was because the team didn't look so good last season. Maybe, um, but I'm thinking because because what I was thinking then was what is a city player? Um, and obviously, there was a very clear pattern because of you know it's all the it's all the great, isn't it? It's company, it's David Silva, it's Aguero, um, it's Fernandinho, and it's it's De Bruyne, and I I think I'd say Sterling as well. They all fit in that mold, but um, he do, I don't think Mares does fit in that mold. Is obviously is I don't know I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But what I'm gonna say is. You need that unpredictability. Um, you need that something a bit different. Um, and I mean, look, it's not like 
you know, you always hear about these maverick talents, old wingers who, you know, never track back, but they scored so many goals. It didn't matter. I you know, I don't think his his talent is so good that he can get away with not tracking back or not pulling his weight in a City team. Because even, you know, Sane, I would say, had much more talent just because Sane was so good. And obviously he didn't get away with that. So nobody's yeah. going to get away with that. But I, I feel like, you know, they, they do need a bit of that. Um, I suppose the other issue is Bernardo feels like a City player. Um, and obviously, like we mentioned, like, there was like Yaya Torre as well. They're, you know, a City player can come in many different guises. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not sure. But in fact, I, the more I remember it now, I haven't put this in my article, but I might try and change it. Um, there was one. I think it was a game against West Ham. And I'm trying to work. I th- it would have been in the 18-19 season. And it was when he played Sane. No, I'm sure it, but I'm sure it was his first season. Anyway, Sane, he started Sane and Sane got taken off after about 50 minutes, I'm sure. But it was that night when I think... De Bruyne tried to make a couple of passes to Mares and they didn't come off. And I'm sure there were a lot of boos in the crowd at the Etihad for Mares. That was yeah, was, that, that was his first season, and it was. Yeah, I thought it was. His um, first oh, it feels. I've, I've, oh yeah, of course, because that wouldn't have been. Yeah, of course, because yeah, that yeah, it was 1819 because that was his first season. Yeah, yeah first I can't I can't remember what the game was, but it, it, it felt, was West Ham. Yeah, 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 it was. It was. I'm sure it was. And he was getting yeah, he was getting booed for that. Um, and then obviously yeah, last season. It was his second last season was obviously so weird, and it feels like it's still going on actually. Um, yeah, so there was there was booze then, and it just feels like I don't know, like it doesn't feel like whatever a city player is. Do you know what I mean? Like what whatever that vague idea is, like it, it doesn't feel like fans have ever taken to him. Like I said, even last season when he was when he was probably one of the most consistent performers, I was still I was always still like yeah, I'm not really sure about. It. I don't know, I don't know what that is. I think it might just be that tendency to. To hold on to the ball a bit much, and I, I just think, I just think people don't really like don't like greedy players, do they? Really, and he's not always, you know, he's not always greedy because I've just mentioned all the other things he's really good at and how he contributes to the team. But there is that element to his game clearly, um, which obviously the players have raised with him, and I just think that's a trait that people don't like. Yeah, um, um, I suppose that's what will he ever will he ever fit in? Um, I don't, I don't think he'll unless you know he they win the treble this season and he's a big part of that. I think he will make a big contribution to City over his time at the club, however long that is. But I don't think he's he'll get a farewell after three or four years like you know a lot of the players have already mentioned. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Let's touch on Bernardo because um, obviously they they play in similar positions, uh, and, and obviously I think fans like to, or some, or, or, I think I, I think fans want to see Bernardo there through the middle a bit more. Uh, Guardiola obviously likes him uh, right coming in onto his onto his left foot again. Um, what have you made of his starts of the season? Well, this is interesting, and it's interesting you ask me because I was asking fans um, on Twitter on. God, this on is a feed, this is a feedback loop already. <laughs> yeah, um, well, it got like I'll I'll try and find it quickly. But it, it, last time I checked on Saturday afternoon, when I was obviously trying to write my article and do the Q and A, it had got about 160 replies. Um, yeah, 172 replies, um, and just very like wildly different because I. I'd say like, against Arsenal, it was kind of that all-action performance, a bit like it was against Liverpool. Everyone knows which game I mean a couple of years ago. Um, but since then, 
played against Porto, uh, played against West Ham, obviously not two great games for City in general in terms of the overall performance. Um, and it, he was very quiet, I thought. And he was quiet again against Sheffield United. Um, but I was kind of thinking, I wonder what people make of this. Because... Um, you know what? I think that the quiet element, I think ha- against Sheffield United, had he scored that chance where he weaved into the box and, and ended up, he ended up firing it straight at the goalkeeper. But if he'd yeah. just got a little bit more bend on it and got it into the bottom corner, I think I think we'd be sat here talking about how good a game he'd had. Yeah, possibly. Um, possibly. But that, again, it was in a different position, wasn't it? He was asked to do a different thing at the end. Yeah. Because he just went up to the right wing instead of Mares. Um, But, I mean, I think maybe... So I'm trying to work it out because compared to... Obviously, that Liverpool game is basically the benchmark. But it wasn't just that. That season when De Bruyne wasn't there, um, Bernardo slotted in and he was great. And he was great whether he was in midfield or he was great whether he was on the right wing. Um, obviously, last season he had his problems. Um, just I just couldn't replicate that performance. Just knackered basically, and then whatever else confidence issues. Um, I don't I don't know. Um, but you know, like I said, those last few games, just very quiet. And I'm and I'm trying to work out: Am I holding him to the old standard where he was basically replacing De Bruyne in the team? But as we know now, Guardiola doesn't want two De Bruyne, is he? This is the whole thing about those. When I say Bernardo and Foden have very ever have very rarely ever. Um, replace David Silva as a number eight because Guardiola effectively doesn't want two De Bruyne. He wants one of those control players who keeps hold of the ball, you know, keeps the game ticking, gets it and gives it. You know, that that's the very simple thing that he wants a player to do. And obviously, it's basically always Gundogan when he does that. So now I'm thinking, he looked quiet to me. He didn't look like he did a couple of years ago. But is it just a different role? Because when I was talking about, you know, how they replaced David Silva, and you know how Gundogan's the, the the only similar player. When I was asking, you know, the people who knew about this at City, they were kind of like, "Well, how they change this without David Silva is maybe Bernardo's going to have to change his game." And I just thought that was a bit of you know a bit of an oblique statement, like, "Okay, well, you know, we'll muddle through." But maybe this is it. Maybe this is him changing his game. Which, if it is, maybe it's a bit of a shame because, I mean, does he just get turned into a functional midfielder um, rather than? you know, the exciting player that he could be. But I mean, that's a debate for another day. Maybe it was just, you know, a few different performances and maybe he won't actually take anything from his game and he'll just, and he'll just add to it. But um, What if it serves the team, though, for him to do yeah, that? Well, and, exactly. and, and the team is so much better because of that. Well, exactly. Um, you know, some of the replies I got, people were like, I, one guy was like, I can't believe you don't see how, you know, how useful this is, how uh, good and effective and, and simple this game is. Um, and other people were like, yeah, very quiet, really poor. I was like, I can't actually make my mind up. I'm kind of torn between, this isn't what Bernardo Silva does, but now I am thinking, this is what he needs to do now. And yeah, you're right. It's a good question. Um, I think it does serve the team. I, well, and I think, but the other thing is, um, it's quite ironic because somebody else said, I think it was in the Q&A, if, if Gundogan had played like that, people would be giving him stick. And I think that's right. But ironically, if Gundogan had played like that, I'd be thinking he's had a good game there. He's doing what he needs, to, what, he, what he's asked to do, because that's what he's asked to do. So now I'm thinking that's obviously what Bernardo's been asked to do. Oh, none, and, of, this, none of this team makes sense anymore, Sam. <laughs> no, yeah, I know it's weird, isn't it? Like we, we we were talking about how you know he wants width on the left, but none of the left backs are really capable of giving it, and he, he would get Walker forward, but you know none of you know the, the midfield is kind of too slow and he needs to cover on the counter so he can't get forward and you know he wants this control midfielder in in midfield but david silver's gone and 
he's going to have to play Gundogan and Rodri in there, even though they don't really work against deep defences. And yeah, it's it's an odd makeup of the team. But again, maybe maybe this is why if Bernardo is going through this new role, yeah, it's probably not going to help him win the Ballon d'Or. It's probably not going to help him develop into the player we thought he might have developed into, even when City signed him. You know, that bubblegum winger who can cut in off the left and bend into the top corner. Um, but it might actually be very useful for City this season. And look, I've, I'd like Gundogan as a player. Um, but any alternative that you've got in there, and also with Bernardo, I think you do have a bit more cutting edge in the final third if he was to get there. So Gundogan has often been used very deep alongside Rodri but he can push right on and get into the final third as well. And I think if you're going to do that with Bernardo, you might have a few more goals in the team as well. So, yeah, basically I think what I need to do is forget the old Bernardo. This might be the new Bernardo. Yeah, he's, his running and his pressing always helps. And uh, you mentioned the defence a little bit earlier on. Um, I, I guess, uh, you know, this is this is the first time in, what is it, four years that City have, have uh, not scored more than one goal in a Premier League, in four consecutive Premier League games. Um, and if you, if that's going to happen, I suppose the defence being tight is quite a good thing at the moment. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, it just, it just seems so much comfortable. You know, you just, you can, you can just be kind of confident that if even an attack breaks down or the ball gets put into the box, there's not going to be. Look, this will happen now, but there's not going to be a slice clearance. That they're just going to deal with it. Um, I mean, and that's that's like a point I I raised after the game. That was probably one of my biggest takeaways from the game because I don't think City created too many chances you know they had those opportunity to get on the transition and cut through Sheffield United with a couple of passes and they just didn't do it which is basically because De Bruyne didn't have his passing radar on 100% but they, they had chances to create chances didn't they? exactly yeah yeah, yeah. which they, they would they would kill for because Guardiola thinks if you get those chances you're going to take them but because you know, because you've got De Bruyne playing those passes and Sterling and Mahrez and whoever running onto it, you're going to take it. But it didn't happen on the day. But to go back to what you were saying, yeah, if you're not going to do that, then it helps that your own defence aren't just going to chuck one in, which has often happened. Or you know, they, they're going to protect Edison a bit better and give him much less work to do. Um, and that, that's that's what we saw against Sheffield United. Um, so yeah, I, I've been very impressed with them, but. I don't want to kind of put a down on it, but the one thing I would say is Sheffield United didn't do an awful lot. Um, and that's not one of those where it's like, oh, well, maybe City didn't let them. Like they just, even when they had the ball, it, I know that it's not really the best thing to do to take your cue from the BT Sport commentator, but they were like, <laughs> oh, why? They could, why just, get they the ball, it they could yeah. just get the ball into the Well, they got two men up front. You know, they got McBurney up there who slammed into Diaz in like the first minute, the first seconds. And you think, well, just, just do that then. But they, they didn't really do that. And obviously, Marseille were lamentable the other night. They were shite. Like, they just didn't do anything. So it's like, well, well, look, they got Liverpool next weekend. So we'll see what happens if they get exposed or they've got proper defending to do. So that'll be, well, not just a really good test. That is the test. You know, that is the real quiz facing Liverpool. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I, but I, I, I'm fascinated by this game coming up as well because uh, the way I've watched Liverpool in the last few weeks, it's definitely a case of, you know, attack them and you'll get something. So I, well, I don't know what... I, <laughs> Even if they had, honestly, even if they had Van Dijk and and listeners to this will probably think, you know, I've not been too big on City's prospects this season other than, well, maybe they'll click and they'll be fine. But um, for a few weeks, I, I think this Liverpool game will be all right. And look, they'll probably get dicked now and it'll be my fault. But I've just, I've said before that you know, City always generally come up with a plan against, you know, teams that press them and give them space. So obviously, look, it didn't really bode well, I suppose, given on Saturday they had that space and they didn't really exploit it. But um, 
if if you kind of get out City or try to get out, and City can play around you really easily. And if you play Gundogan and Rodri in those games, they will around the midfield really easily. They will get the ball up the pitch quickly. Um, and you know, so like I said, I think I said if if City played Liverpool, Arsenal, Leeds every week, you know, they'd they'd win the league. Obviously, they've won the league anyway, playing all different types of teams. But this season, obviously, they've had the problem with the deep defenses. I would actually back City to do much better against Liverpool than I would against. I don't know who just sits back and defends and makes it difficult. There's about 15 teams you can pick <laughs> any one of them. So yeah, I mean, I'm, it's it's a fascinating game. I think um, City can do quite well out of it actually. But um, I, I guess we'll see. And obviously they haven't got Van Dijk and they've got that lad at centre back who looks like he was working at Tesco, but he got man of the match on Saturday. So so fair play, <laughs> that'll be an interesting one. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Let's touch on uh, Kyle Walker for the final part of today's show uh, because he's had all the attention after Saturday's game, quite understandably so, with the goal and obviously the return to uh, to Bramall Lane. Uh, this was uh, Pep Guardiola speaking before the game, uh, being asked about uh, the role that Kyle Walker's playing this season. It was an incredible sign for Man City. I want to say thank you so much to the club to bring him here. Uh, today, the top players are the players that they can play every three days three times a week and not get injured. There are today in the real football the top top players. Before you sign a player you have to be you have to to, to take a look at uh, his history about the injuries, about the fiability to play and play and play and play. His regeneration and Kyle is an example of it uh, of that. Um, and I have the feeling now it's the, maybe this part of the season is the best Kyle we have ever seen. For many reasons, is in one of our captains. It's important, so important in the locker room. So, and again, the last game, the last game against against OM, he did a really good game. Now, um, Walker gets a lot of stick, I think, from outside of City. Um, why, why has he been so good lately? Do you think, Sam? And why can't why can't people who aren't City fans and aren't on the City management team see that? Um, 
Well, sometimes City fans as well, to be fair. Um, but I think it's more just a it's a it's a football thing. Um, you know, we get preconceived ideas about players based on the first years of their career or a period of their career, and then it actually takes a major kind of twist in the plot for us to go, oh, actually, this guy's good. Like, Brendan Rodgers now is kind of serious. If if people say, oh, yes, um, City could go for Brendan Rodgers when Pep leaves, people would have laughed two years ago. Like, when he came back, when Brendan Rodgers came back to Leicester, it was like, oh, yeah, there's that ridiculous, there's that ridiculous fellow who nearly won the title at Liverpool and went up to Southwark and... He's mad, isn't he? You know, because he's got a, a parody Twitter account and he's got a big picture of himself in his house, you know. But then he's come back at Leicester and people are actually like, oh, yeah, no, Brendan Rodgers is actually all right now. It, it, it takes it takes that kind of transformation to get these preconceived ideas out of people's heads. And obviously you can look at a league table or you can look at results and you don't need to see Leicester play. But you can go, oh, Leicester a third. God, he must be good. But if you don't watch City every week and even when you you hear about their results. Oh, they've lost again. Or oh, that was a weird result. You're not going to have noticed how important cold walkers become. So I think that's it, really. There are these preconceived ideas in football. And it works the other way. You know, great players, they can get through a season or or maybe a season or two before people start saying, actually, he's not, you know, living up not, to not his performing, reputation. Is he, yeah. yeah, you can get by on reputation. So that's that's just how it works in football generally, I think. Um but so yeah, what's so, made him? What's made him so good lately? Because um, I mean, I think it's just so it's, important it's, to see. Yeah, it's kind of it's it's almost like it's come out of nowhere. Yeah, because um, again, like so, in my article I wrote on Friday, which is well timed, um, I'm pretty pleased with that one. It doesn't normally work out like that. Um, it's like so. Gary Neville's been saying recently. So basically, the, I think the nub of it is what and why I'm saying people have got a preconceived idea in their head about Walker is it's that he's not good defensively and he can make a mistake. That's the people. Have, that's the idea people have got in their head, and you know that's not unjustified. And so, I, but I was like, um, basically, he's changed recently. You know, so Gary Neville had said a couple of times on commentary because um, obviously Neville worked with him with England, and he was like, the thing with Walker is he can switch off when the ball's on the other side of the pitch. Um, I, th- I can't remember what game it would have been, but there was, I think it was at Leeds where a player ran around the back of him to get ahead of him, and it went over the bar, and and. Um, and Neville was basically like, yeah, look, this is this is what we notice with England. When the ball's on the other side of the pitch, he can switch off. And, you know, that kind of feeds into the idea that he's got a mistake in him or a lapse of concentration. And look, look, the Leicester game wasn't that long ago. And he gave yeah. away a penalty against Leicester when somebody was on the wrong side of him. Um, but there was these, these, you know, it was a long time ago that Gary Neville were with him. And somebody commented on the article. He was like, yeah, but you remember the Liverpool game in the Champions League in Croatia? I was like, yeah, but these this was two years ago. Yeah. You know, there's been two seasons since then. Um, and over those two seasons, and increasingly, the last year, I would say, he's cut. He's more. He's cut out the mistakes a lot more. Um, he's been more reliable. And then I just think he's always you know, available as well. Well, this is it. Yeah, this is exactly the point I was coming on to. So it's not just oh, I was two years since then. You think City signed him ages ago? Now this is his fourth season, and he's just never injured. And I know in his first couple of seasons he had bad periods around Christmas, didn't he? And I remember people really wanted him out of the team, like to get Danilo in, and it didn't happen. But it just all the time, which is really weird as well. And it's another idea of how those things can stick. Because when he left Spurs, Tino had doubts about whether he could play like, two games a week, you know, Sunday, Wednesday kind of thing. Um, 
which is really really weird because there's just no evidence of that whatsoever like it's not like it's not like it gets through a month and then he's knackered and needs to miss a few games he just he, he gets rested as a normal amount he's not going to play in the carabao cup because what's the point but that's it he'll play all the big games he play, and all the you know 90 percent of city season are big games so it's just there all the time um so there's that as well and it's it suddenly you look at wow this is his fourth season now and it's always available and again th- there is an element of it where you know even as i'm writing it writing how good he is you do think yeah but these mistakes and you know blah 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 he's not great defensively i for a start no fullback is really great defensively anymore anyway but he's actually hard to to get past i was going to say know, he's that, very good the, the I think job... he seems to have improved a lot in terms of one-on-one defending i don't remember him getting mugged off do you remember him getting nutmegged or like somebody knocking the ball around him and running or just beating? Like it just, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. It doesn't the, really happen, does it? I'm sure it doesn't. I might be wrong, but I'm sure it doesn't happen. The the thing is, and it's the role he plays in the team. Where uh, it was the fact that again, uh, not to bring up that Leicester game in in a bad way, but it was the fact that Guardiola looked at the at the team and thought, you know, if I take Fernandinho off, Kyle Walker can control. Yeah. Was it was it Barnes? Yeah. Um, and. It's that trust to be able to to do very kind of specific and and, and several types of job. I mean, you, you yeah, look, so like we said, we said recently about about getting down the line and, and getting into the box. There was a there was a fantastic moment in Saturday's game where uh, it was just like, well, I backed myself to get to this ball before you, and he just made sure that he hit it far enough so that it, it put a bit of running distance between him and the two defenders, and but not so far that he that he knocked it out of play, and just then turned on the afterburners and got there. And yet, also, he's capable of just stepping inside and being that holding player to to, yeah. to stop the counterattacks. And, and the crossfield passes, the yeah, crossfield passes are so big for City, and his are really, really good. Yeah, I, I might I like the number of times as well. The ball goes over the top, and he's like, "Well, I need to get there first. Just you know, that's huge. Eases through the gears, and then just comes around the the, the, the other side of the forward." Picks up the ball. I mean, a couple of times this season already, he's he's kind of he's then dummied a, a clearance, done the striker, and found a city shirt. <laughs> yeah, he's just really clever. And like I've, I've said before, part of the reason why Cancelo didn't settle in so well, whenever his first season was, was that last year. I forgot. Honestly, my my head's gone with all this the way the calendar works. But part of the reason he wasn't getting in the team so much is because he he can't just run down the touchline and put the ball in. Because at City, you need to do so much more than that. And Walker's. Walker's shown that, and actually, as a little aside, I think Cancelo's showing that a bit now to an extent. He obviously did that role against Arsenal, which we talked about, and we talked about how City were very pleased with that the other week. But also, yesterday, he was everywhere. Like, he was cropping up a kind of number eight at times yesterday, Cancelo. And I, I, people, some people thought he was quite good against West Ham. I thought he was really bad, but he was, he was good against Sheffield United. So that, that, that's an interesting one. But yeah, back to Walker. You've covered everything he does there. And, yeah, it's like I say, sometimes in my head I'm thinking, oh yeah, but the mistakes or whatever. And also I'm thinking, just because he's City's best defender since he signed doesn't mean he's necessarily got best or, you know, or yeah. most reliable. Because it's like, look at the competition, to be fair. But basically, take him out of that team. And you would, I think you would immediately miss all those things we've just talked about. Especially if it had been last season with Ken Seller was settling in tactically, the crossfield passes. But that recovery pace is so important. And especially at a time when we know that, you know, Rodri, Gundogan, both of them, whatever, have struggled with stopping the midfield coming through um, or the wingers coming through and the defence have been exposed and the defence has been stones away. Like, just putting Walker there, God, they need, it's such a, it's such a great insurance policy. Yeah, I, you see him uh, occasionally for England playing that centre-back role. Uh, has Guardiola got any ideas about bringing him inside at times to make a back three? Well, he, obviously he kind of did against Arsenal. Um, you know, a back three, 
Guardiola doesn't do it too much anymore, does he? he? For the first couple of seasons, maybe even three seasons, there were periods where he would just go, right, we're going to do this and it's going to work. And, it, and then it just didn't for whatever reason. Well, mainly because it, ultimately Mendy got injured, so he couldn't keep doing it. Um, and recently he's only gone back to it when he's, he's noticed something specific in the opposition. Um, but even so, he hasn't really done, he hasn't really put Walker there. Um, I don't think he sees him as a, as a centre back in a, in a normal back four. But um, I suppose the Arsenal game might have convinced him that it might be possible. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, if Guardiola does go back to a back three, then it's definitely an option there. But I just think people keep asking if he's going to do it. And obviously you can never tell because he did it against Leon at kind of a moment's notice, really. But um, the thing is, you need, you need to play three centre-backs. And, they, you know, they're pushing their luck a bit with centre-backs. They've got three good ones. At the moment, because Garcia is not playing brilliantly, and you know Stones, you can't, you, you couldn't tell me you could put him in and you could rely on him. I was going to say you probably got better options there though with with Laporte, Diaz, and Ake as a back yeah, three. But, yeah, I mean, again, and that works, but it's like you need you need him to play all of them. So you've got fatigue issues potentially, or you've just got injury issues. And obviously, Ake isn't really about anyway at the moment. Um, and also, you've got you need a proper wing back on certainly on the left, which they haven't got. You know, Cancelo, he actually put in a couple of crosses with his left foot and he looked quite good. And if he can do that, then great. But they haven't got that. And they've got so many wingers in the team. If you're going to, it's just, it doesn't quite work. Um, it, it, just, it doesn't feel like that, like that three at the back actually fits the t- team for any period of time. So I don't think it's going to happen too much, but that's more of a broader point. Um, but then if it does, then obviously you'll think Carl Walker was a, would be a good candidate for that. And I suppose the key is going to be if he can use Cancelo on the right, like he did against Arsenal, or if he's going to be needed on the left. Yeah. I, the other the other side of it as well, I wonder how much of, of Walker's ability to come in and, uh, and hold makes him perfect mm-hmm. if City want to stretch the pitch at the other end, if that makes sense. Uh, he, then he can bring Cancelo, you know, from the left more inside on a, on his natural kind of, on, 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 more on his natural side, and then Walker can step into like the defensive midfield role as well when when yeah, City yeah, are, yeah. are stretching the game at the far end. Yeah, it, there's that's the, that's the thing with Walker that that kind of tactical understanding and just how useful he is. It, it, it does offer a lot of of different options. Um, and yeah, it's just, I, I just can't get over that pace. But it's, it's kind of the physique as well, isn't it? It just looks massive. It's like his kit's too small for him as well. Sometimes <laughs> it's just, but I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of those games where I think sometimes it's like it, it just like literally grows in stature during a game. And I think going back to Sheffield United, like bef- as soon as De Bruyne aimed that pass for him, I was like, this is going in. Like he's, he's going to hit this and it's going to go in because it. I remember the Newcastle goal he scored a couple of years ago when it was the like same goal, wasn't it? Yeah, it was basically the same one. Yeah, but from a bit further over on the right, and it like, and I think that Real Madrid game in August was his best performance for City, and he just looked massive. He was everywhere, you know, and he was actually he put in a tackle that was so kind of old school British tackle, so clean that even a Champions League ref didn't give it, and he was winning headers. He was, in fact, he was like dummying and ducking out of headers to kind of trick their wingers into giving City throw-ins and stuff like that and everything he did was just great and that kind of that kind of sums how he sums up how he's been very like very recently but also for the last year 18 months I think yeah he's 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 been great and I mean he's 30 now and he kind of the way he talks he talks like he's an old head because everyone's so <laughs> young around him but um I, I'd like to think he's got a couple of of good years left in him yeah and it, you know he's he's obviously a really important um part of this city team yeah uh, we, and one more thing before we I was, just, 
I've got one yeah. other thing as well. So, Garrick, so go on first. Well, just because we were talking about the Liverpool game, um, obviously there's a huge thing about Klopp and Guardiola, and you know, obviously Klopp's beating Guardiola more than any other manager. And you know, th- there was the Champions League as well as obviously the Anfield games. But I think Anfield's more of a problem for City and Guardiola than than Klopp because if you look at the home games, I'm doing this off the top of my head, but I think their home games in the Premier League between them two, City have won 12-2. I'm sure that's right. Because it was 4-0 last season. It was 2-1 in that Bernardo game. 5-0 um, the, the year before. 5-0 the year before. And I think the year before that, it was just one all. It was 2-2. 2-2 uh, two, 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 two it was, yeah. Oh, was it? Oh, so 13-3. Yeah. Was, it th- was that 2-all? Okay, fine. 2-all. Um, but, I mean, oh, yeah, actually, no, I think you're right. I think I'm wrong there. I think it was one all Milner penalty for Liverpool. I don't remember them scoring anything else. It was a it was a really forgettable game. That yeah, I mean, but that was you know normally you're right off Pep's first season anyway. But you could easily say last last three seasons. What would that be? Eleven um, one. Like it's like that's a mad mad um, scoreline because look on Sunday you've got Man United playing Arsenal and it's not really the game it it used to be. And a lot of those top six games, especially at the moment without the crowds, that you know they, they were a bit flat. But you know, City Liverpool, they are, they are the biggest games in the Premier League now in terms of the most meaningful games. It's been so one sided at the Etihad, and it's obviously it's been pretty one sided at, at Anfield as well. Um, it's it's strange, really. But yeah, that that also kind of makes me think going into next week should be a really good game. And as much as I'm a bit down on City sometimes in terms of oh, I'm not sure about that or I'm not sure about this, I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen. But I, I'm I'm quite up on their their chances next weekend. But We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, 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 we'll wait that. and see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the one thing I wanted to mention about Carl Walker is uh, he's done it in the Community Shield, he's done it in the Premier League, he's done it in the Champions League, and yes. these, are, these, these are exceptional goal line clearances. Uh, the one thing that he needs to do now is is do it in the in, in the Sacred Carabao and uh, and just <laughs> make, and complete the set. You know, Liverpool, Chelsea, Porto. Who else is he going to do it against? Uh, well, it's, it's for some reason City are playing Arsenal like two days before Christmas in the Carabao. It's about six months after the last game, so <laughs> why, why not? Why not add to the set just before Christmas and bring a bit of joy to the nation? There we go. <laughs> Honestly, though, some of the some of the clearances I can watch that Liverpool one. I can watch forever on uh, on a loop. It's the fact that everybody's given up on it and he's thought, "Now nah, I'm going to overhead kick this off the line." <laughs> yeah, again, and I mean, obviously that says a lot about his pace, but. If he didn't think he could get it, or he didn't anticipate what was happening, he wouldn't have got there anyway. So it's like he's not just a, a speed merchant, which I'm, I'm sure is probably what to go back right to the start of the Walker debate. I'm sure that's what a lot of people think he is. But um, no, there's just so much more to his game than that. And yeah, like I say, Christmas time, keep an eye out at the Emirates for a car we go. off the line clearance in the Carabao. Yeah, well that's it for this week's Why Always. Also, you've been listening to Sam Lee. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Thanks a lot, guys, for listening. And to me, David Mooney. Don't forget, you can sign up to The Athletic for just £1 per week right now by using the code MANCITYPOD. Mm-hmm.